Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today we have a guest speaker, Pastor Carl Moore, with a message entitled, Don't Hurt the Holy Spirit, will be in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. And now, here's Pastor Carl. We've been talking about lately the old nature and the new nature. And my dad talked about last week what it is to, when you live for God, you take off that old nature, the person you used to be, the person that just would serve yourself and your own interests and everything. And you take that off and you put on the new clothes, you put on the new nature that says, I want to live for Jesus Christ. He's changed my life. I want to live everything that I do to glorify God and to to please Him and to make Him happy. And what we're looking at is the direct contrast of that today is that we can hurt the Holy Spirit. We can actually hurt God. And so we're learning that if we put the new nature on, it pleases God and it makes Him him happy and joyful and it brings Him just just satisfaction in His kids. But there's also a way that we, as weird as it may seem, for us to get into our heads that little human beings like us, that God really didn't need to create and didn't need to do all this. He did it because he wanted to. That, that we don't really, we're not significant in the, the whole realm of the universe and everything, except that God loved us. That, that us, these little humans, we can actually hurt God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the one that, that is, is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. That one little human being, you and I, can actually hurt God's feelings. We can actually bring Him sorrow and sadness and hurt. And that's what we're looking at tonight. But in talking about the old nature, new nature kind of thing, if you look at verse 24 from last week, it says, You must display a new nature because you're a new person, created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. And if we were just to stop there, it's a good thought. Yeah? It's a good thought like, I want to have a new nature like Christ. I want to be holy, righteous, and true. But isn't it kind of general to you, don't you think? If someone just says, have a new nature. It's kind of general. It's kind of out there. It's like when you make a New Year's resolution that says, I'm going to be a better person. It's like, that's good, but what does that mean in specifics? How do you live your life in the daily, day-to-day routine of dealing with other people, of going to work, going to school, your free time, what you do at home, movies you watch, all that? How does, how does that come into play? Paul's telling us, Here's the big, general, broad idea that I'm trying to get across. Put on a new nature. And it's like with this building process, you know. When they first came to us and they're like, you know what, it's time for us to build a youth center. You guys are growing and we want to have extra room. Let's build a youth building. And I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. Tomorrow I'll grab my hammer. You know, it's like, let's do it. I'm the youth pastor. I want to have a new building. And it's not as easy as that. The broad, general view is that we're going to build a new building. But it doesn't just happen overnight like that. I'm learning that I'm on the building committee now, and we're having all these meetings and trying to figure out architecture and and building material costs and prices and labor and time frame and asking the congregation what they think is, you know, which one looks the best and everything. All of this stuff. And it's not... Suddenly this this broad general idea becomes the day-to-day realities, the little things. And what Paul is going to walk us through today is that putting on the new nature, that sounds good, and we can all say, yeah, I want to do it. But here's how you really do it. He's going to give us some examples of the specific things in our life. And this past mini-church, past week Wednesday, 
we were talking about last week's sermon, and I asked my high school mini church, I asked them, you know, we're supposed to put on the new nature of Christ and live for him in everything that we do and just be sold out and just glorify him. What does that mean to you in your everyday lives? Not just the Christian answers of, I read my Bible and I pray. Because see, that stuff's good, but that's the given. That's expected. Well, obviously you're going to do that if you love the Lord. But what, how does it affect the way that you live your life on a day-to-day basis? And I asked my kids this, and they, and they came up with some pretty cool things um, of just specifics in their life. Because that's what Paul's going to be talking about. One of the things that they said is, is it's regarding a new nature is, it means that I'm not lazy anymore, and I actually just try to do my homework. And I, and I pray while I'm doing my homework, and I pray before I take tests. And I put on the new nature of being a good student. That's how my new nature affects my life. It affects the way that I do my homework. And I said, that's good. That's a specific. That's what we're talking about. And another kid said, you know what it means when I come home from school and I'm asked to do chores or do my homework or something? It's that I do them without arguing, without arguing with my, my parents. And these are all small things, but this is how we make it personal and specific to us. And these were what the kids were telling me. These are the specifics in my life. One of them said that it's, I'm learning how to tithe to God and not be selfish. I'm not all about taking, but I want to be able to give, and I want to give to God. And kids were sharing stories of how they began tithing, and God got them jobs, and God raised their allowance. God did different things where they're going, it really pays to take on a new nature to live for God and to give Him, and He gives back to you. And they, they were saying all different things. They were talking about overcoming shyness. Because some of us don't like to talk to other people, yeah? How many of you guys are just like, I'm fine by myself. You know, I don't need to have all these people in my life. You know, I got a couple friends, that's it. Well, some of the kids were saying, you know, just for me to be here in mini church is putting on a new nature. Where I'm able to go to a place and interact about things in my life and people share with me their circumstances and I'm able to talk about it and be a part of this group or these J groups and stuff. And the J groups are pretty cool. If you guys are look back on the on the board, lots of you guys are, are actually taking pride in your J group. And that's what God's saying. The point of it isn't just, okay, I'll obey the rules and do this thing, but it's that I'm a part of this group and they love me and I love back and I give to this group. The way that I know you guys are owning it is because some of the J groups have names, personal names. You should go back there. It's kind of funny. I wrote some of them down. One, one J group is called the Hope Riders. You guys are riding for hope or something. I don't know. The Hope Riders. There's another one called Scribes in Motion. That's a pretty cool name. And of course, there's some of the high school ones. Like we have one that's called the Flava. You know, it's back there. And then a, a group of high school guys that meet every week, they call themselves, you know, a good Christian name, the Destroyers. So, I don't know. I just think that's cool that to them, they're saying, you know, putting on the new nature is that I get involved in a group that loves me and that I can participate in. And these are the things that when we think of be holy, righteous, and true, and it's like, oh, those big ideals out there. But when you say, hey, be a part of a group that supports one another, you know, take pride in that group, give it a name, the destroyers, you know, um, or whatever it is, is I'm just going to do my homework, or I'm just going to get the job done, I'm not going to argue with my parents. These little things is what Paul's going to begin to walk us through, and he's going to tell us about some ways that really can get us in trouble that have to deal with our old, old nature. But in talking to these kids, the funniest thing that I, that I got from this past Wednesday night um, one, one of the kids said he loves to play the ukulele. He used to play for four hours a day. He's really good. And I said, well, you better use that gift for God now. Oh, no, because, you know, I focused 
on myself so much when I used to play, I think it would be a pride issue. I'm like, no, just take off that old nature of pride and put on a new nature that says, when I'm playing, I'm glorifying God. See, if I knew how to play any instrument other than the radio, I would be up here playing. Why not? You know, it's like, that's such a cool thing. I love music. I love hearing music. If I could play anything, I would be getting on a worship team because you're glorifying God. You're taking part of worship. You get the privilege of leading the rest of the body, the family of God, into God's presence in worship. And that's an anti-pride thing. That's all about God. That's nothing about you. So I'm telling the kids, what does it mean to have a new nature? And one kid tells me, you know those mission teams that you guys do every year? You go to all those places and stuff. You know, part of putting on a new nature, I think God wants me to go on a mission team. And to him, he's thinking that our mission trips are like crazy, like third world countries like Mexico. If you've ever been to Mexico, I've been. And it's like you sleep in the dirt and there's outside toilet. And I don't mean like outhouse. I mean just outside is your toilet. Pick a spot, you know. And it's like, don't drink the water. You know what will happen and all that stuff. He's thinking in his head, oh, it's like that. And I know Dominican is a little bit more like that than Japan. But for the youth, we go to Japan every year and we're spoiled. We get to sleep in people's houses, in the churches. It's, it's pretty nice. But here's this kid thinking, what is it to put on a new nature and to really lay it all down and serve God? I'm willing to go on one of those gnarly mission trips. I'm willing. And here's what he tell, tells me with the full straightest face, sincerity, just seriousness, he tells me, I, you know, I think I would be willing to have diarrhea for the Lord. <laughs> and I'm like, bah! Uh, I mean, you know, I want to just crack up laughing what he said. I, I've never heard anyone say I'd be willing to have diarrhea for the Lord before. So I just want to bust out laughing. But here's this kid just saying, that's what it means to me. And I'm just like, Good job, buddy. You know, let's pray for that, you know. And I'm trying to encourage him. But in his way, this is where the rubber meets the road. This isn't saying my new nature is this holiness or whatever. He's saying my new nature means I'd be willing to risk, you know, whatever, stomach problems for Jesus Christ because I want to suffer for him. I want to do whatever it takes to live for him. And as funny as that was, and as much as I wanted to laugh, I thought, you know what, that's, that's true. That's what it's about. It's what are the little things in your life that you'd be willing to do to live for God and say, that old nature doesn't want to do it, but I'm putting on the new nature that says I'm doing it for God. So let's, let's look in verse 25 as Paul leads us on a few things that talk about old nature, new nature. Verse 25 starts off and it says, put away all falsehood. Tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to one another. We belong to each other. He's saying, if your old nature had to do with lying, or maybe it's still kind of some of that old nature you still carry with you, you've got a bad habit of twisting the truth, he's saying, stop lying and begin to tell the truth to other people. The reason being is that we are a body. We're all Christ's body. We're all connected in one way or another. And if you're lying and you're hurting someone else in the body by lying to them, causing dissension, stirring up strife, well, by doing that, you're ultimately just hurting yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt the body. Don't lie. If you're someone that's given to just whatever, exaggerating the truth, you know, just distorting it a little to make yourself sound a little bit better, or just brown-nosing someone by not telling them the truth, but telling them what they want to hear, but you're not giving them a dose of reality so they can't work on whatever's wrong, but you just keep, oh, no, oh, you're good, you're good. You know, there was a, there was a guy that I knew that he was kind of the youth pastor in a church that, that I had started with uh, another youth pastor of mine, mine that became the pastor, Sumo. 
And there was a, the youth pastor in the church, and he was new to it, and he knew that I had experience with youth before, and it was kind of my position to oversee him. And what I did, basically, is every Thursday morning, we'd get in there, and I would ask him, how did you do with youth group last night? Because he'd have youth group on Wednesday nights. And so my job was kind of evaluate and encourage and, you know, all of that. And so I would meet with him every Thursday, and the first Thursday, I remember, I'm like, oh, how'd it go last night? Oh, so good. I had like three kids and we got to know each other and this and I'm like, oh, good. Next week, how was it this week? So good. Oh, it's so good. I'm like, wow, that's, that's good, you know? And, and then like later on, you know, two weeks later, how was it? So good. 20 kids. Wow, 20 kids, that's cool. The next week, how many kids did you have? Oh, two. So good. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know? You're lying, aren't you? He's like, what? No, no. And I'm like, well, what happened last week? Oh, well, um, you know, last night we, we did worship, and, and we, I spoke, and we prayed, and a couple kids got in a fist fight, and, you know, wait, wait a minute, what? Oh, yeah, a couple kids fought. I'm like, well, how can that be so good as all those other weeks? And, and after a while, it hurt our relationship, because it's like, you know, I don't even trust you anymore, because are you really just trying to kiss up to me to make it sound good, and make yourself sound good? Or are you going to be honest, and we can talk, and I can trust you, and you trust me? But see, if we have problems with lying... It's really ultimately just hurting ourselves, but it's hurting the whole family. It's hurting the whole body. Um, you know, sometimes in a marriage, one of the, the spouses will get mad at the other one. They get into an argument or whatever. And your way of getting even with them is you go out and spend money. Spend the family money, right? Like, well, pff, you made me mad, so I'm going to go buy myself new clothes. And ha-ha, I got back at you. But what really happens? End of the month, oh, how come we're short? How come we can't afford food this month? How come the, the insurance bill is high and we're not going to be able to pay it off? Oh, I don't know. New clothes, new car. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know where the money went. And you lie and you think, oh, no big deal. You know, it's, it's to my benefit. But what really happens is you're hurting the whole family. You're hurting yourself, your kids, and the person you were mad at just because you thought, well, I'm just going to lie about it. And see, we hurt the whole body of Christ when we lie to one another. So he's saying, stop doing that. Stop lying. Stop stretching the truth. Stop exaggerating to cover up guilt for whatever reason. Just don't lie, but put on truth because we belong to each other. Start telling each other the truth. And then the next verse, it says, And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. He's not saying to not be angry. Because, see, that's a human emotion. That's a human feeling. That's a process that we go through. But what he's saying is when you get angry, don't let yourself slip into sin. Don't do something in that anger that opens you up to an attack from the devil, that opens you up to hurting the rest of the body and hurting yourself. And there's two main ways that I see of sinning in your anger. I think every one of us would fall into these categories. The first one is you get angry and you just bottle it up. Someone makes you mad, and you're just like, that's okay, you wait one day, and you just hold it in, you know, and it starts to just fester, and it starts to turn into bitterness, and it starts to turn into a cancer inside of you that starts eating you from the inside out and just becoming, you become a bitter person. And then who knows, maybe one day you do explode. You know, we've heard of all the stories of husbands and wives after years of marriage and then they just blow up one day because they've been holding it all in and not communicating with their spouse. That's it. It's over. Divorce. See ya. I'm done. Or relationships at work or, you know, the term we get for this type of anger that gets bottled up and then finally explodes, we always say, 
oh, that guy's going postal. And what do we mean by that? Is those, those, those tragedies that have happened in the, the US post office where disgruntled employees who have been holding in anger for years and years and years someday just come to work with a gun and just explode. And see, that's the problem with us taking anger and not dealing with it correctly the way that God wants us to. But we allow ourselves to sin in that anger. One way is bottling it up. And we hurt ourselves and we begin to, to hurt other people through that. The second way that we sin in anger is that we immediately take it out on something or someone. How many of you guys have ever hurt your hand or your foot by kicking the door or the wall or you know something like that? I had a friend in high school that would every seem like every few weeks he was coming with new bandages on his knuckles and, and broken bones in his hand. Like, what happened? Oh, I punched the door today. Punched the wall. Punched the something. Punched some, someone else out. And it's like he took that anger and instead of saying, okay, I'm going to think about this, I'm going to logically deal with it, I'm going to communicate, and he didn't bottle it up, but he immediately took it out. And you always do something you're going to, you're going to regret later when you do that. Look what happened to Mike Tyson. He got all mad and he took a little nibble <laughs> by some Zira. He paid the price for that. But see, it's these stupid things that we do in the heat of anger, in the heat of just being, oh, I'm mad, so I'm just going to act on it. Well, later you pay the price, and you hurt someone, you hurt yourself. And ultimately, what we're going to be looking at is that you are hurting God. There was a time in my life when someone falsely accused me, totally, deliberately, just wrongly accused me, didn't have any grounds of, for any fact or anything. How many of you guys have ever had to deal with someone like that? They, they just come at you, they just come at your throat because they say, you did this, 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 and you're just going, what are you talking about? And the guy came at me so hard it was literally the worst attack verbally that I've ever had in my whole life. And I'll always remember it. But I'm thankful for the way that God worked in my life in the middle of this situation. Because he was coming at me, saying all this stuff totally untrue. And I was sitting there, and at first I'm like, oh, this is a joke, right? Ha ha ha, wait a minute, you're serious? You actually think I did all of this? You actually think this, this, this about me? I'm like, none of that could be further from the truth. And I start to try to explain it to him. He doesn't want to hear it. Just rah, 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 assaulting. And I'm just like, okay, now I'm starting to get mad. Now I know that I'm in the clear here. God knows it, but you're, you're making me mad. And I start looking at him, you know, sizing him up like, I could take you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm skinny, but I'm fast. You know, like, I'll take you out. You know, like, you can't jump across that desk faster than I can. You know, I'll, I'll wipe you out. And it's like another Christian brother. And I'm thinking this, and I'm just like, it's building. Here comes the temptation of sin in the anger, right? I start thinking all these things. I know where you park your car. I know what it looks like. I know which house is yours. I know what I could do to you. And he started thinking all this stupid stuff. And I remember in the middle of it, this guy's just red in the face, veins popping out. Rah, 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 you know, it's like I thought he was going to take a swing at me. And I was ready if he did. I was kind of hoping he would, you know. I was like, no, God, I don't want to be thinking that. And yet in the middle of this, I can remember him just rah, 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 words going off. But in my head, I'm yelling out to God, God, help me. I'm freaking out. I'm about to do something I don't want to do. Just calm me down. Provide a way out. Calm me. Calm me. I need your peace. And in the middle of it, I can remember just shutting that anger down. Well, not me, but the Holy Spirit. The, the levels of boiling point just start. And I could just listen and I could let him just do his deal. And I just sat there and let him just go off until he was done. And then I just started to explain myself. Like, you know what? Here's the thing. You're totally wrong in this. Let's talk about it. And I was able to, to humbly, logically, just explain the problem to him. And it took like half an hour. And he would yell back more. And I just kept on talking and trying to keep my temper. 
And eventually, we were able to sort it all out. We parted praying for each other, giving each other a hug, and we went on and lived our life, and we became good friends after that. But that's like the one time that I thought I was real good. You know, all the other times I blew it in all those other ways. But that's the time that I can just remember going, God, I don't want to sin in this anger. I don't want to bottle this up and keep it in, but I don't want to lash out either. And remember that God always gives you a way out when you're tempted. He always provides the way out. You just got to look for it and you got to seek him. So he's saying, don't sin in your anger. And you know what? Don't even let a day go by. Don't let the sun go down on that anger. Deal with it immediately. When that anger comes up, don't put it off. You know, sometimes we just think, I'm mad, but I'm just going to walk away and I'll calm down. Well, that's the bottling it up theory, you know? Don't even let the sun go down on your anger. Because if you do, the anger seed is planted in your heart. You wake up the next day, you kind of forgot about it, but it's still in there. It's still in your heart, and you just gave the devil a foothold in your life through your anger. And what it means to give the devil a foothold is, I looked up the word for foothold, and it means that you give the devil a place in your life. You give him room to operate. You give him license to do whatever he wants in your life because of your anger. You try to close the door to him in all the other areas. No, devil, I don't want to live for you at all. Da, 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 da. But you just got this anger problem. And that's like just going, you know, I don't want you in my life, but oh, here's the back door that's open, the anger door. You let the devil right in there. How many of you guys have ever had an unwanted house guest? Someone that overstayed their welcome in your house, you know? You know what I'm talking about. How many of you guys have been the bad house guest? Yeah, come on, be honest. You know, some of us go there. But I remember in, in California, as I was a youth pastor, and, and our apartment was real close to the beach, real close to the church, real close to the high school, close to Main Street. So it was the natural stopping point for the kids that would come going to any of those places. There are always kids in our house all the time, and we'd always be feeding them or just hanging out, talking to them, or we'd let them stay over. Because sometimes you get those calls in the middle of the night. The kid calls you, oh, my dad came home drunk. I'm kind of scared. Can I come over? let the kid come stay at the house or parents trust the youth pastors while they go on vacation leave the kids with us you know and it's like thanks a lot no we we loved it we my wife and i have the gift of hospitality and our house is always open but there i can remember a couple times when the the kids were borderline pushing the unwanted guest you know description and you're kind of just about to throttle them and you know like god takes care of it and it all works out but you know some of those kids are just ultra smelly you know, for one reason or another, you know, it's the, the food they eat or the, you know, the, the, the socks that they wear five days straight or, you know, whatever it is like, oh, man. But see, when we give the devil a foothold in our life, it's like saying, oh, he's the uninvited guest and he's here. I don't want him here, but there he is. And it's like, well, devil, I don't want you in my life, but because of this anger problem, well, I guess I got a room out back. You could kind of come and hang out here. You're just giving him license to say, come on into my life. And if you think your anger problem, oh, it's a minor thing, you know, I trust God in all the other areas. Well, Paul is saying right here, in your anger, you're giving the, the devil free reign of your house. So he comes in, and he doesn't just stick with the anger thing. He starts setting up shop and starts thinking, okay, now I got your anger. Let's see if I can get you over here in the lying thing. Let's see if I can get you over here in this part of it, in this part of it. And it's just giving him room to work in your life. So he goes, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it. Don't give it a place in your life. Don't. Don't give the devil a place. It goes on and it says in uh, verse 28, If you're a thief, then stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work. And this is the part to underline. And then give generously to others in need. He's not just saying if you have a problem being a thief, 
And not just a thief that you would think that robs houses, but some of us, our nature is like a stealing nature. It's like, I want to get as much as I can, and I don't care who I rip off in the process. Whether it's taking stuff from work, or it's just taking up someone's time, or using something that's there, or whatever, that we have a stealing nature that's our old nature. And it says, if that's your old nature, then give it up and start working hard and honestly for your, for your own well-being and for your own sake. But then it goes on, the second part of that, and it says... And then give generously to others in need. See, it's not just saying stop stealing, be honest for yourself. It's saying be honest and work hard so that you'll be blessed, so that you can bless other people as well. Because see, there's people in our lives that have less than we do. And so when we work hard and we make something, we have something that we can give away, then we're supposed to think of it as not, wow, look at all this stuff I'm hoarding. Because that's kind of the stealing selfishness, old nature. But it's saying, look at all the stuff that I can get, and I can share it with all these other people that need it.